It's my kingdom, and I'll cry if I want to. Today on... All right. So, yes, I we are talking about Tears of the Kingdom tonight. I, it is myself, Werewolf, and I'm joined with Jake. How are you doing tonight? Doing great. It's a great game to talk about this week. Yes, I am still not finished with it, but I'm like, I'd say I'm this close, but with all the stuff I still intend to do, I am probably way the hell over there. Right. <laughs> it's It's a packed game like this is one of those 200 hours if you really wanted to type of games for sure or just so much i am probably at like 130 already so i want to say breath of the wild i put it 185 by the time i beat it yeah breath of the wild i was around 160 i think and then my wife put in 200 hours but she was the type that had to take pictures of every single item because there's that album feature so mm. she saw this game has similar and she's like uh, do i have to take pictures of everything i fuse every combination thankfully no <laughs> otherwise <laughs> it'll, it'll never leave my switch you know okay so I don't want to get into too deep spoilers, at least this early in the episode, but I will spoil that damn album because I know what the reward is, and it's so stupid. What do you get? If you complete every photo in the game, you get a paraglider pattern. <laughs> well, I mean, that's better than the golden turd from the Korok season, the first game, though, right? <laughs> but the, the paraglider is literally just like the little stamps from your <laughs> it's got like a skull and a flower and bombs and just all sorts it's just a little pattern of like things that you would take photographs of but like so what's crazy is i've not yet unlocked uh paraglider customization or dying of armor nothing because i skipped that whole part of the game i haven't been there yet that's how crazy and i've beaten it as of today yes i i probably spent uh, what I've been playing it for about a month now, maybe a little longer. Two days I probably spent playing in Hateno, just doing all their stupid little quests and exploring it. And to be fair, like as the villages in the game go, I felt like that one had a lot more to do than most of them. Yeah, there's a few different side quests I heard that were there, like a mayor election and 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 whatnot. There, mm -hmm. so it seemed like a. That's why I didn't do it. I think I I, I knew it was there, but just I was so hung up on doing the shrines and really wanting to find all the memories and, you know, proceeding the story at least somewhat, because I felt like I, my wife and I just did shrines for like a couple weeks. So we were kind of in the groove of doing all the story stuff while we we're together. And so that's, that's kind of, we kind of glossed over a lot of the side stuff. So I've done a lot of the side stuff, but I still, I still hit, I think 140 hours. I want to say there's definitely up there. I, yeah, I, <laughs> I was trying to find how many hours my buddy put into it because he beat it well before me. He started playing when it came out and I took a few weeks extra. I want to say he was at 160 hours when he beat it. Let's see. Yeah. Ah, here's this. Uh, oh, no. 250 hours is what he was at. 
Wow, he okay. must have done everything then. Yeah, he showed me both of the playtimes together. He had Breath of the Wild at 275 and Tears of the Kingdom at 250. And I feel like I should mention that was just his Switch playtime because for Breath yeah. of the Wild, he played through it originally on the Wii U. Yeah, I did the same thing. So but... he went back and played even more of the game than I did my first, my only time playing it. Like, how how wild of it though to hardcore. think of like the Wii U was what ten years ago now I think at this point. So you figure Wii U Breath of the Wild ten years later we're playing the sequel, which still feels like not long enough. Maybe too long of a time between the two games to come out. No, Breath of the Wild was twenty seventeen. Okay. All right. That's when the Switch came out. It was 2017. Breath of the Wild came out like a week later. Right. I think it was something like that. Because I didn't have it right away. So I was, and I had pre ordered like the collector's edition for that one. So yeah, I think it was a week apart. But yeah, it was, it's been six years. And I, I will say. Initially, before buying this game, I was worried because it's the exact same, you know, Hyrule that you had in Breath of the Wild, technically speaking. So I was like, okay, how different can this game be? How much, how new can it feel and all this when it's the exact same, you know, world map? Well, they did a lot to the world map to where it does not feel like like it you if you played through Breath of the Wild, you'll definitely you know you'll you'll go through places and you'll be like, "Oh yeah, I remember this, and this is how it's changed. Holy moly, like there's a lot of that um Kakariko Village is a great example because there are just buildings in Kakariko Village where just like half a house is just smashed apart, right, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the thing, because with the story of this game, there's the upheaval and large sections of land have been risen up to the sky and that impacts the, the areas below it. And there's a lot of stuff that's changed. But what got me, and I didn't quite realize it when I was playing this game, is it's definitely, I mean, there's a there's Easter eggs to Breath of the Wild, but it's very much its own standalone game. The shrines that are in Breath of the Wild aren't in Tears of the Kingdom. The Guardians right. in Breath of the Wild aren't in Tears of the Kingdom. So they're very much separate. All the Sheikah tech from the other game don't exist in this one for whatever reason. So the world there feels different. And then, of course, they added, you know, upper and below. So it, it definitely feels, although it's the same land mass, they've done enough for it. It feels quite different. Like, the, you know, the best part for me was the um, the mazes, the square mazes that are, there's three of them, I think, in each corner of the map. They existed in Breath of the Wild, but in Tears of the Kingdom, they're now like multi-level interesting puzzles yeah. to them and they feel quite a bit different you're just getting to them is dramatically different than it used to be in breath of the wild yeah the lome ruins i think is what they were right. called yeah. and interestingly those ruins and i think one other set of ruins down in the jungle were like the only even remote references to the zonai in breath of the wild and even then it's just barely like they don't actually call them by name they just refer right. to this old civilization. And then in Tears of the Kingdom, it's like that one little nugget. Yeah, that's that's the whole game now. <laughs> that's all you get. You don't get anything else. Like, honestly, I don't without spoiling anything. I can tell to people who are, you know, there's some people who may feel like it's a big investment to play Tears of the Kingdom, especially if they haven't played Breath of the Wild first. But I can tell you right now, you do not need to play Breath of the Wild to play Tears of the Kingdom you're missing literally nothing. 
to me, yeah. Tears of the Kingdom, and we'll talk about it, feels like it replaces Breath of the Wild in every possible way. Like, it, there's just no story connection between the two at all, except for, like, the occasional Easter egg, right? It's, like, the canon... It's canonically, like, I don't know, six, eight years later, something like that, because yeah. there's... A, and the way I'm basing the timeline is there's... Uh, a Gerudo woman and a dude from Terrytown that you sort of help get together in Breath of the Wild. And in Tears of the Kingdom, they have a daughter who's just hit the age to where she's supposed to get taken off to Gerudo to finish growing up. So she's, right. I wouldn't say she's even 10 years old yet. So given that, you know, it's been less than 10 years between the first game and the second game. So it's it's long enough to where, you know, people have started to sort of they were getting comfortable with the fact that there was no longer the monsters and, you know, all the craziness that had, what, overcome the kingdom for a hundred years or some nonsense. And then now everything's a mess, but there's all this new exciting tech that they didn't have before. And so it's it's really interesting that they're building on the world. You don't need Breath of the Wild to enjoy Tears of the Kingdom by any means. I will agree with that. However... If you want to play both, definitely play Breath of the Wild first because yeah. it's going to feel like going backwards if you play Tears of the Kingdom and then Breath of the Wild in terms of mechanics, ease of use, um, just a number of things while not dramatically changed were given a quality of life upgrade, right? Um, yeah, like... A good basic example is just something as simple as the cooking system, which was pretty big in Breath of the Wild, but it, begot, it became very tedious having to pull out the ingredients one by one and then drop them in the cooking pot every single time. Tears of the Kingdom, they give you a recipe book. Makes it a lot easier to do the Where same is recipe that? again and again. Where is that Dude, recipe book? <laughs> in your, so in your inventory, when you have an ingredient, there's a button that says recipes, and you click that button and it pulls up the book of recipes that use that ingredient. Oh. You didn't use that? See, that's why I love this freaking game, because it's full of shit like that. It's, it's, it's much like Tunic, right? Where it's like you have two people playing it and have completely different ways of going through this game. Yeah, the recipe book was great. I was like, I feel like I've seen this. I see screenshots of it in articles and stuff. I'm like, where is this recipe book? I can't find it. Yeah. That's how I accessed no. it. Okay. <laughs> It's good though. Well, also before it's we start, I don't the, cook yeah. anything anymore except for a single hearty item, because then it oh. heals everything plus one or three or five or whatever. So I don't even bother with anything else anymore. Oh, I, I cook dozens of meals. Before I beat the game, I had to get a bunch of food together. It was crazy. Like the mechanics are different, right? Like the, I know in Breath of the Wild we had you had four abilities, right? You had cryo and make ice pillars, which whatever you had. A bomb power, throwing bombs, and then mm -hmm. you had uh, stasis. I think it was where you, you could free stasis? something and then knock and knock it a few times. And you had magnesis, right? Which let magnesis. you maneuver metal items, right? And then tears of the kingdom. You have freaking ultra hand, which is everything. <laughs> yeah, they took away your bombs, and then they're like, here instead, you can just find bomb flowers. And stock those up. So instead of infinite bombs, you do have to come across them, but they're not. I don't think I've ever hit zero since I found them. And right now I've got like 70. So 
Well, you can also buy them. I, there's a, a statue yeah. that will sell you various items. And I just, I just stocked up on the, the oh, currency he right. needs and I bought a bunch of them. Yeah. I forgot about those. I was using those to buy the outfits they sold. Right. So, like, I was playing through the game expecting to gain an ability to throw bombs infinitely. I thought it'd be, like, something you would lock later on. But, nope, you finish that whole game with enough bomb flowers. I mean, you don't really miss it. Like you said, you get a lot of those items. And there's other items that are also useful that kind of can take the place of bombs as well. So, yeah, but I was expecting it to be more like the old game where you just have the power to throw bombs. But, nope. I guess maybe we should talk about the weapon system because in Breath of the Wild, I know a lot of people were extraordinarily frustrated at weapons breaking. And that's not gone, but it's it's been improved upon to where uh, you are more... I think you're more likely to find weapons that will last longer. You can go down into the depths and find weapons that aren't rotted away and they'll last even right. longer, especially if they also have a durability inherently upgraded on them. Or, you know, if you go feed them to a mountain octorock, maybe they'll get that upgrade. Like, that's such a weird system to me. Like, let a mountain octorock suck in your weapon and then it will actually repair it and give it, it like some sort of bonus, right? I feel like that was something in the first game that might have been accidentally coded in, but for the sequel, they were like realized people use it a lot to repair items and figured, why don't I just go all out with it and make it a thing? Because, yeah, that is a very interesting system. Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't even know about it in the first game. Like, I yeah. didn't. I just kept numerous weapons on me at all time, and that's how I treated this game for the most part, is just always make sure I have the good stuff, right? <laughs> if, if I've got a weapon that's not as good as what I just found, well, that one's staying here, and the one I just found is coming with me. So I will say, in Breath of the Wild, I'm one of the ones who hated the weapon durability system. I, I could not stand it. I felt weapons broke way too easily, and a lot of the weapons you came across were unique, right? And it was very difficult to get replacements for them. So I, I hated it. And once I got the Master Sword, I basically didn't look back. But in this game... I don't care because a, a good weapon is literally a stick you find on the ground and some random item in your inventory. Like you get so many good attachments in your inventory that you can fuse with pretty much anything and have a workable weapon to build to kill a boss. I never yeah. had an issue with any of the bosses in this game except for the final boss. Like I did not die once to a, to a, a dungeon boss, for example. And just weapons were plentiful. Like you, you just made them constantly. And that's once you got into that mindset... I didn't even go around carrying um, hammers because you use hammers to break boulders in this game. So I was carrying a few of them just in case. But after a while, they realized whenever there is something you can mine and break, odds are they give you boulders nearby that you can turn into hammers. So I didn't even bother carrying them. Anymore. Yeah. I to keep one or two on me, but I also have like, I want to say 14 weapon slots. So, you know, one or two is not yes. a huge deal. And I've been meaning to upgrade that because I found a lot of Koroks who just were being lazy and needed to get to their buddy. <laughs> so so I, I do love that. So I did not care for the Koroks in Breath of the Wild because it got kind of samey and kind of boring. Yeah. In this game, uh, they're most the same, but there are a few where, you have to f- where a Quark wants to find his buddy and you do have to actually manipulate and move him. The, uh, the, once I realized I could take a horse and I could fuse him to the rack on the horse and just drag <laughs> him across as I run to his buddy... Game opened up for me. I love. I the found game. one. So I kind of got over. <laughs> I that. found one last night, 
where I was at the top of the hill and he wanted to get to his friend that was down at the bottom of the hill. So I just picked him up and dropped him and let him just tumble down the hill. And I was just gliding alongside him. Like if I was running, I was about keeping pace with him. It was great. We were just cruising down the hill. Every once in a while, he'd be like, oof. (laughs) And then... Don't complain. He he narrowly (laughs) missed his friend and he was just zooming past the tent. And I was like, no, I got to talk to the friend before I got to go collect them. Cause he was like, there you are. <laughs> My wife, when she was playing, there was a, there was one where you had to get him across a raging river and she dropped him off a raft. We, did, we didn't realize at the time that you could actually fuse him with alter hand oh. to a raft so he doesn't fall off. So we were just lightly putting him on things and <clears throat> trying to build vehicles for him. And he fell off into the water and just went with the <laughs> river, like just gone. Like we we just lost him. I don't know if he responds. We just we just gave up on that That's one. But funny. just seeing him just like fall off the raft and go flying was hilarious. Like a whitewater <laughs> canyon. It was it was That's pretty good. That's amazing. There there is a couple side quests where you have to build a vehicle for and transport some people. Mm. Those ones were frustrating. Some of them are frustrating. There was one also again with water, and I had to build take their boat or their wagon and make it floatable. And every time I I tried floating into the river. It sunk just enough that they got their feet wet and they got pissed off and it resets the quest. So I had a real problem with some of those vehicle building sections, but the Koroks were less picky, I guess. Was this for the Great Fairy? Yes. Yeah. The last Great Fairy? Okay. Yeah. It's it's interesting that the Great Fairies, you don't just have to find them. You also have to do a quest to get them to come out of their flower, right? Yeah. So it's, it's not as... I guess it is easier in the first well, one than this one as far as Breath that of the Wild, goes. you're just basically paying money, right? It's a money sink in that one. Yeah, and and in this one, it is a money sink too, but you also have to get them to come out first. So there's prerequisites right. other than just find the fountain and there you go. It's also a bit weird with them too, is that they're more in an open area now. It kind of feels weird with them. Like There's one that's next to a camp that's been logged. So it just, it just seems like a wasteland and she's right there in the middle. I guess they explain in the story that they want to be closer to travelers to help travelers out, but they're mm-hmm. so exposed, it, they lose some of the mystery of them. I liked I liked how before they were really quite hidden in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, because one now. of them, like one of them, was up on a, like a mountaintop kind of area yeah. that you had to work to get to and things like that. So it's it's not as difficult to reach them. Instead, you're given you know, various quest lines, go find this person. Then you go find them and they're like, well, I need you to do this for me before I I can do anything else. And it's like, all right, I'll do that for you. And then they're like, wait, they're getting the band back together. Well, why didn't you say so? And it's like, <laughs> all right. So then you, they get, they go back and then you meet them there and they're like, all right, make us a car, get us there. Yeah. <laughs> Make us a, make us our, an off road vehicle that can go over a mountain. I'm like okay, <laughs> our, our wagon has broken down for the third time. Please help us. <laughs> yeah, let's get call AAA. No, we get Link on the case. Well, so with the with the fairies, then did you upgrade armor a lot? Like, did you try upgrading a bunch of different sets, or did you kind of just stick with one set? What did you end up going um, with? So I've just kind of been upgrading what I can when I can. And I don't do it a lot because one, I don't like the process of upgrading armor in either game. It's too slow when you go in and you want to upgrade stuff. It's, 
it's just frustrating. So it's you can't just keep track of what you need to upgrade items, like to upgrade your armor, right? Instead, you have to go and find out what you need to upgrade every given thing. And, you know, after that tier, the items that you need could change. They do, yeah. Or or the item amount will fluctuate or something like that. So you don't know what you're getting yourself into. So I just play for many, 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 many hours and then go and upgrade like 30, 40 times whatever I can, which takes 20 minutes. It's stupid. And then I'm like, and then she's just like, once I'm done upgrading, she lets me know. She's like, well, you got nothing else. Bye. <laughs> yeah, she's done with you. So I've... I actually managed to upgrade a couple of pieces. So like I've got an 18 defense helmet and then um, I think I have the barbarian chest, which ups attack power and it's only level one or two. I don't know. So that's only five, but it ups my attack power. And then I wear pants that give me another 12 defense. So I'm like, I'm okay. I'm at 35 defense. I went through so much of the game, so much of the game without being able to upgrade armor. Like that point in the game, and uh, we'll come back to this in a bit when we're a little more comfortable sharing some spoilers, but the point in the game I told you about that I went and did the thing well ahead of when I was supposed to, I was right. wearing base tier armor. <laughs> I had eight, nine defense. That's it. Maybe. Yeah, that's that was me <laughs> for most of the game as well. I didn't bother until I started going in the underground sections. <clears throat> that's when I started upgrading my armor. I ended up going with, um, I managed to stumble across Fierce De Deity Mask, which gives you a nice bump to your attack power. So I was using that. I was using the chest for the, from the underground that lets you glow, so you can see underground in the chasms, which was really useful. And then I was using Zonai Pants, because it gave me a boost to the battery. I ah. found out later in the game, late in the game, that some sets do have set bonuses. Not all of them, but... Some sets, if you upgrade the entire set to level three, I think it is, yeah. then you unlock an extra bonus. But I never found it worthwhile, at least the few that I did. And I was much better off, I think, with the ability to be glowing underground with the attack power bonus and the battery, because I kept running out of battery early on. So I was a mismatch of armor for most of the game. But I didn't, like you, finding the the parts to upgrade was very tedious. The, the Fierce Deity set, I ended up getting the set... But to upgrade the entire set was ridiculous because you needed dragon pieces. And it was you basically needed all three dragons, all the different pieces. And to, to get all that would oh, have wow. taken me forever. So I just stuck with the helmet and I did that one to level three, I think it was. And I didn't bother going further than that. So I don't think I've I don't think I maxed out really anything, to be honest with you. It was just too much of a time sink. Yeah, I've got a few pieces that are tier three. Um but I'm guessing you can get some stuff up to tier four because at tier three, like I, I only have three of the four fairies. So the fairy is like, you know, I, I don't have enough power to upgrade yeah. this yet. So uh, I do find it interesting. I don't remember if they did it in Breath of the Wild or not, but it seems like in this one, um, the fairies are as strong as how many you release. I think I think it was the same in the first game as well. I believe because that was the incentive to actually find them all and pay the extra money is that you unlock, you got uh, the ability to upgrade all the tiers. Um, mm -hmm. Although much like that game too, in tiers kingdom, not every item you get can be upgraded, which is kind of frustrating because there's a few cool looking armor sets. I want to say the dark link or evil link set can't be upgraded, yeah. which means you're not link really going to use it. Upgraded. Um, yeah. There's, 
There's one set that makes you look like a particular evil character. Looks cool as hell. Nothing. And upgrade. upgrade yeah. But it makes you better at using bone weapons, I guess. I don't understand. I get. It, oh, you know what it probably is? It's probably durability. Okay. So maybe it ups the durability on them or something. You have to have all three pieces equipped to get that. But all three pieces is nine defense, right? Like in total. So it's basically like well, using bottom tier armor. But you get the special effect. You, you know what it is, though, is in, in both both of the games, you live or die by the parry and the dodge, right? The flurry rushes is what gets you through this game. And you're basically forced to be able to get good at it. Not as much as Breath of the Wild. Breath mm. of the Wild had a problem with the, the guardians with the beams. You had to learn how to parry the shield. Otherwise, you, you just die a lot. This yeah. game, there isn't anything like that, really. But you still need to be good with the parry to to get through most in, most encounters quickly, I guess. So you, you kind of armor doesn't almost doesn't really matter when you're doing the perfect dodges, but it still helps. I will say I went through probably a good sixty hours before I remembered that I could parry. <laughs> it's not nearly as useful as it was in Breath of the Wild, right? The lack of guardians it, is definitely noticeable. Mm-hmm. It it does help. Um, so in Breath of the Wild, another big complaint was the lack of dungeons, right? The Divine Beasts, for all intents and purposes, were the dungeons of the game. And they didn't feel like really good dungeons approaching them and then having to sort of be instanced into them. It felt very disconnected from the game. And then, like, for some of them, like, they, they're either wandering around the mountain or, you know, flying in the sky or whatever they're doing. And so it feels weird and disconnected, but it also doesn't feel like a proper dungeon because they're pretty small, compact, yeah. I guess I should say. Um, and there's not necessarily a ton to do in each one. And the dungeons in this game feel like, I mean, they are part of the world. They're not instanced anymore. Right, Which and they I also love. look dramatically different than the Divine Beasts used to. Like, the one Divine Beast is hard to tell from the other one. Like the bosses even, yeah. for the most part, look very similar. Whereas in Tears of the Kingdom, they're thematic, right? Like, the we're okay talking about the dungeons, you think? Like yeah, I think point? we can describe the dungeons, especially since you usually don't... You can't really... Okay, <laughs> you most likely won't access them unless the game tells you to go access them, right? <laughs> And let's let's put it that way, yeah. because you can access them if the game doesn't. I have done half of the Water Temple without ever seeing the Zora. <laughs> so I managed. So we'll start with that one then, actually. <laughs> so there in that one, I had trouble because I managed to get my way up to that temple the hard way. And when I made it up there, yeah, that's what I, did. I couldn't actually start the dungeon because I didn't do the quest to open it. You need. You needed. You're basically the the companion you meet on the way to help open that dungeon. I didn't have him, so after or I realized I couldn't get in there and I couldn't save or make a waypoint, I had to go back down, do the quest, and then make my way back up there again, which was easier I, because the companion gives you ability. Yeah, maybe I didn't then because I was up on the. So this one is in the sky, right? At least that's what I thought it was so i got up to a point to where there was a shrine and then i stopped i was like okay at least now i have a quick way back i'll do this later when i actually finally go to the zora's domain but i think the first dungeon i did 
was not one, and <laughs> I didn't do the whole dungeon. I got to the tail end of it and then got to a second, I guess sort of a second half of the dungeon that's underground, right? right. So that's what I did before I ever did any of the main dungeons. Like the game right off the bat is like, hey, there's these weird phenomena going on around the kingdom. You should go check them out. And I was like, sure thing, one day. And, <laughs> and you lost the main something quest. else that all of a sudden it's like, it's like, hey, you you know, like, <laughs> I'm this person. Nice to meet you. I need a little help so I can help you. Okay. Did all that. Told my buddy. And he was like, the game let you get there? The game let you do that? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Turns out it was like very late game content. That was like the first major chunk of game dungeon storyline I did. I will say this game feels like it has a lot more story going on than Breath of the Wild did. For sure. Um, like there's... I was surprised by voice acting in Breath of the Wild. In Tears of the Kingdom, there's moments where it's like you're getting five minutes of just dialogue going back and forth, telling a story, just massive chunks of these things. And it's, it's really cool, but I'm not used to it. I was playing on the couch the other night and beat a dungeon and then paused it and came back a while later. And the wife came to sit down and watch TV. Well, I had just turned on the switch and all of a sudden voice acting is going on. They're talking, 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 going on for a while. She's like, are they going to be done talking anytime soon? I was like, <laughs> Give it a couple minutes and then yes. <laughs> well, like Breath of the Wild, the most, I guess, talking or plot you got was in the DLC, where the DLC expanded on the different sages and, and some of their backstory. And Genuine. otherwise, you didn't get a whole lot in that game. And, and I like Breath of the Wild, but it was very, very thin on plot. Tears of the Kingdom completely turns that around. Everything from... Yeah. There's the unlockable memories, which tell a great amount of plot detail about... I don't want to spoil it, but it's great. The dungeon themselves, like you said, are more integrated than that. Before you even go in the dungeon, there's like a quest to get to it. And there's lots of story yeah. told to get to that dungeon. Like the the air temple, like the, the, where the temple is, it's in the sky in the eye of a hurricane. And you have to go up these ghost ships or these, these flying ships. But just to get there, yeah. you have to talk to the bird people and do this whole quest line stuff. It does feel much more part of the world and much more uh, plot driven. That's, it's definitely a totally different game. And that's why, for me, Breath of the Wild is kind of like, it's a great game. I like it a lot. But it's not even like a top five game for me. Maybe top 15, maybe, I guess, at this point. Tears of the Kingdom, I think, is is within my top five ever. And it's certainly one of my favorite Zelda games of all time. Like, it's just, from the story and the music and the gameplay mechanics, like, they just did so much with this game. And it's so much... Yeah. For a game that's built on the same engine as Breath of the Wild, it couldn't be more different in terms of the quality level. It's just so much more polished when it comes to plot and stuff. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's just so cool playing this and seeing how they evolved from the first game, everything. Right. But it's, right. it's also super cool. Like the first game, the world felt very static. And in tears of the kingdom, you change the face of places massively, dramatically, right? When you, it, it depends on the place, but let's say, let's let's use the Rito, the, the bird people, right? You go right. to their town 
and it's just frozen over. Everything's icy and cold and there's snow on the ground everywhere. And then, like you said, you work your way up into the snowstorm with the ships, beat that dungeon, and then their area of the kingdom thaws out. Now there's no snow on the ground. It's more like what it was in the first game. There's another dungeon that literally comes up out of the ground. And now you just see it in the distance when you're near it, right? There's, and uh, the dungeons are really cool. One's just, two of them are floating in the sky, but one is obscured by the hurricane. One is in the ground and you have to bring it up out of the ground. And one is in the depths. Yes. And you can theoretically access it just wandering around the depths, but they feed you straight to it if you're going through the story. Right. And like, if you follow the quest, the quests are really great with the waypoint system telling you where you need to go. If you want to play that way, if you want to just, you know, go from point to point through the story, you can absolutely do that. Or you can just explore and stumble on across things that you maybe shouldn't have been <laughs> finding that early. But I, I didn't realize till after I'd beaten it, I was looking up on this game the dungeons, much like Breath of the Wild, are entirely optional. You don't have to do any of them. Yeah. If you really want to, like Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom, you you've just finished the opening, you can make a beeline to the boss and finish the game. I am curious to see what the speedruns will look like for this game, because <laughs> that sounds nuts to me. But uh, it's, it's great that it's wide open like that. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, and... Just the the fact that there are three tiers to the kingdom, right? Like, instead of just the ground on Hyrule, and, you know, you got mountains and valleys and all that, instead, this time, you've got just random shit floating in the sky all over the place. Yeah. There's still things up there that I have not found the quest that lets me access them properly. I, I'm sure I'll find it eventually, but I don't wander the villages enough and talk to everybody enough to find that stuff or maybe it's another late game thing that'll happen that i'll get access to later i don't know but there's all these little just flower-shaped islands floating in the sky and they've yeah. got a slab of text on them that i can't read yet and then well there's you know there's the one dungeon that i got to the reason i accessed it early was I, I started getting really good with building machines right with the various different parts so I had built a machine with a bunch of rockets, hot air balloons, and fans, all this mismatch. And I used a bunch of batteries to get my ass up to those islands way earlier than I should have been. Like, well, I, after you do it the proper way, you get an item to let you get up there. But I just use vehicles. And the vehicles, between the vehicles and the ascendability, which lets you, lets you basically jump through, through ceilings and travel up vertically, you can almost break the game, I guess, in terms of where you're going. It's sequence breaking, but it's kind of designed to be that way. But you can definitely get yeah. your butt into places you're not meant to be that early. Yeah, there's, there's, I, so the first thing I did when I started playing this game, they were like, go explore the various places. And I was like, first, I'm going to uncover the map. That's my goal. Right. Then I'll go back and do stuff. So I went and uncovered the map. Well, in uncovering the map, I went up to the sky a lot. I probably, saw most places in the sky well before I did anything of consequence in the game. <laughs> and and definitely well before I ever set foot in the depths. Were you like, surprised? I, just, I know I was surprised when the game was in development and they were advertising it. I felt that the sky portion would be a large part of the game. And it is to a degree. But ultimately, after playing the game now, 
it's really the depths that is the big chunk of the game. Like the sky stuff is cool, but it's very much separate puzzly islands. But the depths is this huge, massive thing that I don't think maybe they did on purpose. They didn't quite advertise it to being as as big as I thought it would be. Well, the this I I did think it was going to be a big chunk of it. I was getting vibes of like Skyward Sword, so right. like you know. <laughs> the skies over Hyrule of Breath of the Wild is what this game was going to be. That's what I thought, you know, and it's it to a degree it is. But after playing through a good chunk of Sonic Frontiers and then firing this up, it felt a lot like Sonic Frontiers where you just see islands and weird shaped stuff floating in the sky. And you're like, how do I get there? That's what I want to do now. <laughs> and that's that's one of the. There's a few reasons I don't go into the depths a whole lot, at least initially, and I, I still I don't have a ton of it explored. But uh, the reason of the depths is like as soon as you like leave the starter island, you come across a camp where there's there's a chasm, and you step near it. I accidentally wandered through the goop, not realizing what it would do to me. I was just like, what's this? Yep. And wandered through it. And one of the NPCs was like, hey, dude, don't walk through that. That's going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> all right i won't walk through that and so that's one of the reasons i didn't venture into the depths for a long time and then that one place that i went way too early in the story as far as the story is concerned it was still like 30 40 hours into gameplay so it was stupid long before i got there right it trivializes all the gloom of the depths and I don't like when I'm exploring the depths, I don't bother with glowy stuff. I use bright bloom seeds and arrows. Just launch yeah. a bright bloom seed into the darkness. That's where I'm headed. Let's light it up and see what I can see. And then I go that way. And it works great. Like that's how I explore. Also, the dragons help a little. If you're right by a chasm and you see a dragon headed into it, hop on, loot it on the way down. <laughs> and then once you're down there, yeah. you can sort of figure out where do I want to go from here? Cause you're in the depths, the sky of the depths on the dragon. So it helps. It was, a, it was late in my playthrough where I actually realized the dragons go underground. I didn't realize that for hours into the game. It wasn't until I was trying to get the pieces for my armor upgrading that I realized that. So it was kind of funny. Uh, I definitely oh. did the seeds and the arrows or just, just throwing the seeds in the ground was enough to trigger them. But what was getting me is um, if you're in the pitch darkness and you're just walking for a span, I was falling off cliffs in certain areas and I got tired of falling off cliffs. So mm -hmm. I wanted the glowy armor just so I could see my feet so I know I wasn't going to fall into a pit. Um, but ah. eventually what I just I just started doing was um, just a sled, uh, a sled with a, a bright bloom seed on the front and it's basically a, a spotlight. And I would just travel the depths doing that. I did a lot of that. Once the parts become less harder to get, and you have auto build later on. I was just building that sled explore vehicle every time. And that was how I got around. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because you can put like a large bright bloom seed on whatever contraption you're building. And as long as, so I, I made a mistake once the first time I tried it, I put together this whole device with, uh, wings, you know, based yep. with a wings base, the bird shaped platform glider, and then put fans on the back. I put the, the steering stick on it. I think I even had a rocket on it, like to get started, right? <laughs> and it's on a it's on a cart so that it could glide off the ground like easily. And I was like, okay, 
Now I'll put a bright bloom seed on the front of it. Shoot it, bright bloom seed on the nose, and I watched it fly away and light up what it was going off and do without me. <laughs> That's, well, oops. <laughs> there was a lot of great stuff with the that just emergent gameplay with the vehicles in the building. Uh, for me, it was I wanted to reach a Sky Island, and <laughs> I ended up taking rockets from my inventory. I only had a few at the time. I strapped into the thing I had near me was a rock, so one of the falling rocks. Strapped the rockets to it, put a fan on it, and I thought, surely this would get me up there. All it actually did was spun in a spiral and threw me off, and, and basically <laughs> I died. And of course, when you reload, I didn't have anything, so I lost all the items I used to build it, so I couldn't get up there again. But just just the the experimentation with the various items, and there's so many of those Zonai devices. Like just yeah. everything from just stabilizers and beam emitters and flamethrowers and just just there is so many pieces to this game. And it's just it's been wild looking at what I build and the caveman Flintstone style vehicles I build and compare it to the <laughs> mechs and the the infinite energy flying machines that people build on TikTok. Like there's a Reddit yeah. called uh Hyrule Engineering, and the one mm-hmm. guy built a self-stabilizing mech. Like literally bipedal moving mech and he uses the stabilizers. Or the, the one guy is using um cooking pots. You can get Zonai cooking pots. They also can be used as ball and socket joints. It's just it just and you know Nintendo designed this on purpose. They know what they knew what they're doing when they're building the various pieces. But even the most basic of parts you think is very simple has many uses when it comes to building devices in this game. And it's just it just I wish I was smart enough to take advantage of it. <laughs> Instead of building what I build. Like I'm running, I'm running around on a sled. <laughs> like, it's it's definitely pretty wild the kind of stuff people do, and it it's funny because you told me like I was building like platforms with multiple fans to just go upward and forward a little and stuff like that, right? Or there was a point where I needed to just go straight up, and I was like, well, fans don't make sense, so I whipped out three balloons, one flame emitter. And pointed the flame emitter diagonally so that it hit all three balloons and made them all go up. So I was like, I'll go up Did faster. that work? Less battery. <laughs> yes. So I went wow. up way faster okay. using much less battery. Like, this is the way I was thinking was efficiency with a few items, right? Right. Because <laughs> uh, I only had, like, at one point, I think for a good chunk of the game, I only had the one battery that they give you. And then once I upgraded, I only had a second battery for a good chunk of the game as well. So right. I went a long time without a whole lot of battery. So I was working on efficiency means and it only, the only time I would go nuts with things is when they're like, Hey, here's a bunch of batteries sitting around. I was like, all right, let's have fun. But yeah, <laughs> it, well, it's, it's you're definitely limited in the beginning with it. But once you start exploring the, the underground, like there's an interesting loop, right? Like you go to the underground Yes, there's gloom, but when you're down there, there's the the, the Zonai mineral. You eventually turn into items that let you get more battery, and there's tons of it down there. Like you kill mobs, yeah. even have it, but there's big deposits of it down there. But to go down there, you need the bright bloom seeds, and you need the uh, um, sundalines so you can get rid of the gloom uh, effect on your hearts. To get yeah. that, you have to find the bright bloom seeds on the surface, and you find the sundalines in the sky. But why do you want to go to the underground? Well, you get Zonite for more battery, but you also get bomb flowers underground and use the bomb flowers in the other two levels. Like there's an interplay between the three different levels of the world mm-hmm. that's very well designed. Like I loved how I knew I needed to go to the Skylands for Sundaline because I wanted to go back in the depths 
and I knew there's bosses down there I wanted to fight, but I needed the food that would get rid of the gloom effect. It's really, really cool design. I think by the time I went into the underground, I had found like, oh, well over a hundred Sundalions. That's how much I was yeah. exploring this guy. So <laughs> honestly, sounds like more than I did. I was more of the underground for and, sure. And the you know the the first game, every single shrine you beat, you get an item that lets you like if you gather four of them, you can go upgrade your hearts or your stamina. And of course, there's a cap on either one, so you'll either be a few points shy of full stamina or a few points shy of full health regardless uh in the first game anyway on well, the second game those are back right you, yeah. you still find those but then you also find another thing called uh sage's will or something like that yes yeah and for four of those you can upgrade what are essentially your companions that you get to travel with after you complete a dungeon and so it's it's kind of funny because after the first one I got, again, it was not one of the main four dungeons. It was another one. <laughs> it I was like, oh, neat. Like, that's what I could upgrade. And then I ended up getting the the one from the Rito. And, you know, and so now I've got two people with me. And then now I've got like five people or four people with me. And I'm like, man, this is getting to be a big party. And I'm a geek. I always remember from Suikoden for the PlayStation, every time somebody would join your party, it would be like, you know, X joined your entourage and your little character would do a circle. <laughs> so I actually did that with the last one. I was just like, this person joined my entourage and ran like a little <laughs> circle. And I was like, I'm a geek. But that's it's, what it feels like now. You get so much. Like, and sometimes you get a whole posse of them for sure. You, yeah. And so, sometimes they're not always helpful, sometimes they're a hindrance, but. That's not the majority of the time. That's just sometimes like sometimes they're hard to see through or sometimes it's hard to find which one you're trying to talk to. <laughs> well, there's one where I accidentally triggered her effect many times and I it drove me nuts because I didn't want it to trigger. So I actually turned her off for most of my gameplay because you can disable them. So and when you don't mm. want them around you, but the, the one that uses a bow and arrow, I upgraded him twice before I finished the dungeons. I got more companions. So he was pretty much a badass. Like he was, he was killing things for me. Like it was, it was great because I was having some issues with certain enemies, but he was distracting them with arrows while I went around behind and took him out. Um, there, it's a lot more interactive combat when you have them around. But yeah. having all of them is definitely a, a it's, it's definitely a bit much. <laughs> it's but it's, it's kind of nice where sometimes you know you've got these companions and Link is not the focus of the giant enemy you're fighting for a moment. Yeah. It gives you an in to go and fight whatever you're fighting. And I remember in Breath of the Wild, I thought Hinoxes were a pain in the ass. They're giant. You know, if if you don't remember what the Hinoxes are, they're the, the giant. Oh, my Cyclops. God. They have one eye. Cyclops. They're yeah. the big Cyclops dudes. And they're a pain in the ass to fight in Breath of the Wild. They're a kind of a joke once you have at least one companion in Tears of the Kingdom. I mean, they, they still take a number of hits, but they're a lot easier to beat. Just because they're not always going walking straight at you. Sometimes your buddy will be over there and then sh shoots him and he's like, hey, and he starts wandering to them. Gives you a, a moment to like process your strategy 
and decide what you want to do instead of just shit. Here he comes again. <laughs> well, also and, like the, your companion will, will critical hit him in the eye and that stuns him. And that's all you yeah. need half the time to beat these guys. That's also handy. But I mean, you've got all sorts of giant monsters now, right? You've got, there's Froxes in the depths. I fought my yep. first Frox today. I've seen them numerous times and I was like, not yet, not yet. Today I fought two back to back. I was, I happened upon both of them just exploring <laughs> the depths. And I was like, all right. And he was, a, he was so easy at the point I'm at. I was like, what was I worried about? And then I, I think we're far enough along to where we could talk about the big thing, the big scaries. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Um, Cause there's Especially definitely, since- yeah. So, they're not a main Maybe, story part. You will see them around yeah. the world as you or sometimes fairly early, depending on. So let's preface this so by saying that um, if you've not played Tears of the Kingdom, honestly, you, you got to play this game. If you own a Switch, Tears of the yeah. Kingdom is one of the best games in the system. I think that will ever be on the Nintendo Switch. And like I said, if you don't want to play it because of your worry about Breath of the Wild and playing that first, just skip it and play Tears of the Kingdom. So I think at this point we'll go with full on spoilers for as far as we're comfortable. And let's just, I'll leave a time. Yeah, I don't think we'll spoil any story beats because the story is excellent and I don't want to spoil that for people, but we'll probably spoil a couple of encounters, right? Sure. So there's the Gleok. Let's, let's jump straight into the Gleok. Terrifying. (laughs) You guys remember that dragon thing with multiple heads from Zelda one? That's a Gleok. Yeah, Yeah, those just fly around in Hyrule in Tears of the Kingdom. Some of them are icy, some of them are fiery, some of them are lightning-y, and some of them are all three. <laughs> I've only fought the King Gliok, which is all three. Oops. I did not win. I don't think... <laughs> did I fight that one? I might have fought that one. I, I, the first time I ran into one, there's a bridge, and I needed to cross the bridge, and ah, one like of those guys was there. Yeah, and yes, there, and it just, he, I died so many times to him. It, it wasn't until I like came back much later on in my playthrough, and I had better armor and a hell of a lot more bombs, and I realized taking him from the air with shooting bombs was the way to go. But uh, otherwise, they just rock you. Like, there are certain enemies in this game that if you face them head on, they kick your ass. Like, they do, everything deals so much damage and will one-shot you. You have to find the little trick to beat everything in this game. Yeah, and... Honestly, to me, aside from the King, the King Gliok, the Lynels are probably still the hardest enemy to me. There's they are. another creature that's basically a bunch of hands that, you know, want to grope the hell out of Link and squeeze him and hug him and call him <laughs> George. But you beat those and then you get to fight a phantom. The Phantom is far less scary to me than the hands. The hands, I hate the hands. Well, because when they grab you, they drain your life far. They, they do the gloom effect on you when they break your hearts. Yeah. And the first couple times I came across them, it was only one of them, but they were just taking all your hearts. Later in the game, when you realize you can actually damage them. I didn't know you could even damage them early on. But once you realize how you can beat them with arrows from a distance, it's not so bad. But the first few encounters with them is really rough. Well, the the first one I found, I didn't get to encounter it. I I was there's the these ruins on the cliff over Terrytown. Like okay. The old ancient castle that's broken apart. I was exploring that. 
And all of a sudden, I see this little puddle just cruising around in the distance, and I just noped. I was like, ah, I'm going to go up the cliff, up the hillside here, or up the building, and get off the ground and see what the hell that was. And I turned around and looked and saw it disappear around a building, so I jumped over to that building and looked for it, and by the time I found where it had gone, it was dead. It had just left items and this thing apparently just dies from time to time and i don't know why i think it's the day night cycle i think they die in sunlight is what it is i believe see there are things about that that make me think that that's not the case because i've had it happen in a cave oh really disappearing yep it just Um. ah done Interesting. So I don't know. maybe there's a time I, limit on, on them, but I've had ideas. them stick around for a while. But yeah, I've had them stick around for a long time. I posed a few ideas as to why it might happen to my buddy, and he shot all those down with his circumstances that he's experienced, and he had ideas that I shot down because of my experiences. So we don't know what the hell it is. Uh, the best I can figure is if it's really focused on you, but it can't reach you for a while, it just gives up and dies. But then even then, okay. I, had an, I had a situation where that didn't happen because it was on the other side of a gate from me and trying to kill right. me, and it couldn't for a long time, and it still just hung out. So I really don't know what causes them to just randomly die on their own, but they do. Because well, one of the mazes, uh, one of the mazes I encountered a group of three or four of them at the, at the maze, and I just climbed the wall up a ways, and they couldn't touch me, and I just stayed there. I'm running out of stamina, so I just stayed still, and they didn't go away, so... But I figured it's because they were in the shade. There's no direct sunlight. That's why they weren't despawning, I thought. Because I've had them before where they chase you on the overworld. But when the sun comes up, or maybe it's because I was running away from them a certain distance away, they disappeared. But they do, they do die because I came back and I found the items that they drop. So I'm not right. sure how they if, how it works. But. but if they just die on their own, you don't get to fight that phantom. And the phantom has the good loot. There's more than one of those? The hand things? No, okay. There's many hand things, but the phantom yeah, encounter. There's so this is spoiler territory. So you, it's Phantom yeah. Ganon, right? Yeah. So there's a Phantom a Ganon phantom fight. Ganon. Right. So there's one area where, again, we're in spoiler territory. You you go to the Deku tree, and at the bottom of the Deku tree, there's a bunch of those hands, and when you kill the hands, you end up a fight with Phantom Ganon. That's the only place I remember fighting Phantom Ganon like that. I found well, I one, one every single pair of hands, well, pair, they come in sets of six. Uh, <laughs> every single set of hands I've killed, like actually killed and didn't just let die somehow, uh, since then has resulted in a Phantom Ganon. Really? I didn't know that and at he, all. <laughs> and the Phantom Ganon drops really good loot. Like he's got a bow and right. arrow that the more hearts you have, the more damage the bow and arrow does. Uh, he's got a big ass club that's just, it hurts. It hits like a truck. It's like 50 damage before you do anything to it. Uh, he's got a spear, 40 damage before you do anything to it. He's got a sword, 42 damage before you do anything to it. These things all hurt and hit like crazy. So, and by doing anything to it, again, I'm referring to the idea of fusing items to your weapon. Because if you stick a diamond to your weapon, your weapon is going to do whatever damage it did plus... 18 i think something like that right um so because some of the items that they give you he gives you are cursed and it, it deals gloom damage to the holder 
because my wife was laughing with me because I got those items and they're really powerful items. But if you hold them, you take damage. So what I was doing was I was fusing those weapons to a stick to or the another end weapon. Of another weapon. Yeah. Nice. So it, I had massively long pole arms. Like it would, it was so huge, it clipped in the ground. But I got a hugely powerful weapon that didn't have any side effects. So there's two of these phantom gans I fought. One was underneath the Deku tree, and one of them was in um, Hyrule Castle, I believe it was. I, I I thought the one in Hyrule Castle was like a legit boss. I didn't realize there were more chances to fight this thing in the yes. game. That's wild. To you me. you kill the hands, and I don't know if it's always or if it's after the Deku tree thing, but interesting. You kill the hands, you get to fight Phantom Ganon. And I feel like Phantom Ganon is your reward for surviving that mess because the fight with Phantom Ganon is very easy to time what's happening. It's kind of fun. And the rewards are great. Whereas that thing is just a mess. Yeah. I don't even remember what it's called. But this this game throws all sorts of wild enemies at you that sometimes you forget about after a while. There's early on, I'm wandering along the countryside and a tree woke up and started chasing me. I don't think those were in Breath of the Wild. <laughs> I don't think so. No, I so, don't think they were. I think those are new. I was just like, what the hell is that? So I started setting it on fire. <laughs> the, they were the only reason I kept an axe in my inventory for the longest time, because the axe would basically take them down really quickly. They, they were the main reason I kept an axe. Gotcha. Yeah, any big sword will take them, make swift work of them, though. Yeah. As long as you don't have an item on it. Like, if you take a big sword and throw a boulder on the end of it, it's not going to cut them down very well anymore. But <laughs> That's pretty wild. Yeah, there's there's a lot of cool enemies in this game. Like it, well, I guess we're in spoiler territory. The, so the difference between this and um, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, we said the Divine Beasts were... Very similar thematically. It was the same tile set. Bosses, although different, looked they're basically iterations again, and so they looked very much the same. But in this game, each of the dungeon temples, wildly different themes, but the bosses are all completely different, and they're all really cool. Yeah, they are. Like one is like, is basically like a, a moth type creature, and there's zombies involved. Another one is um, a, a flying caterpillar centipede type thing, I guess. I, but you, I called it, it a ringworm. A ringworm, yeah. So you basically have to fly <laughs> through the air to, to take sna- uh, shots at it with your bow and arrow. It feels really, it's a really fun fight. Very dynamic fight. Yeah, the fights but are But it could very... be more different than the rest of the bosses, yeah. Yeah, like, that was the thing in Breath of the Wild. Like, the dungeon, all the divine beasts, once you were inside them, they felt very samey. Like, okay, yeah, this one is cold, so you need to wear warm armor. This one is hot. You need to wear fire armor. This one is lightning-y, so don't use a whole lot of metal. You know, stuff like that. Whereas this one, the dungeons feel like it's not just a gimmick. It's actually the dungeon. There's puzzles to solve. There's things to overcome. It's, It's actually... It, 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 like you said, it feels very dynamic, not just for the boss fights, but for actually exploring the dungeons. Like the, the Goron dungeon, you're just goofy. You're, you're flying around on mine carts all over this dungeon, trying to navigate it by figuring out where the tracks go. Right. It's not, it's, it, it feels like a weird take on what we used to get from Zelda, where you go through the door. What's on the other side of this door? No, what's on the other side of this mine track? You know? 
It's well, and it was neat because I got stuck in the Goron dungeon with the minecarts. There's a few parts I couldn't figure out because so much like so like Breath of the Wild, you have to find these terminals to unlock the the central part of the the dungeon. Tears of Kingdom has that to a degree. They call it different things for each of the dungeons, but there's some that I couldn't get to easy easy enough. I couldn't figure out how to get to it because it's like the Goron dungeon is very 3D, very much a 3D space with multiple Mm -hmm. levels to get to the, the terminal. But lo and behold, you have the ascend ability, which basically lets you cheat by going to the floor and popping up where you want to or you try to. So I spent a lot of the Goron dungeon trying to sneak my ascend ability into nooks and crannies to try and find those terminals. So because there's a few I just I just couldn't be bothered to do it with the minecarts. I got too frustrated. So I used ascend to cheat my way through some of it. It was it, it was a blast. It was fun. Like I remember there's one section you I got to the top of it and it was way off to the side of the dungeon. And I had to like coast <laughs> to get to the the tower, and then I ascended halfway up the tower to get to the 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 thing. It, it just it felt like the the wrong way of doing everything, but it was so fun and so satisfying to be the dungeon my yeah. way instead of doing the the, the, the by the book way. Yeah, it's great. This game is great at doing a very a, a couple of things. One of those things is it does not hold your hand, even when it. Even like there are some quests like you were talking earlier where if you just want to go point to point to point to point, you can to a degree because a lot of those quests give you the general idea of where to go or the quest will give you a hint on where you're supposed to go, but not how to get there, right? Like getting into the Korok Forest, the Lost Woods, whatever you want to call them. I took some time to figure out how to get in there. It, did, and then like once me, I like realized you... the path, I was like, oh, I'm dumb. Okay. <laughs> well, so because the way I did that in Breath of the Wild was I'd carry a torch. And then you look at the direction of the flames and the torch, and that's how you got through the, the maze. But in Tears of the Kingdom, you try that and you get nowhere because you're supposed to go underground and then come up, right? The yeah. the, the pairing of the chasm underground with the above of the above world is really cool. In fact, like when you were exploring the chasms, the underground, there's certain, and, and you'll know it when you see them, there's certain like areas that when you walk up to it and you ascend through it and it takes you to the surface, you're like, aha, it's like aha moment. Like you realize how connected the surface is with the underworld. Like it's, it's yeah. even to the point where the, the light routes, which are basically the equivalent of towers in the underground and they light up a large section of the underground. Each of those light routes corresponds to a shrine on the surface. Yeah. In fact, the names of the light route and the shrine are the same. They're just reversed. So yeah. like that, once I realized that connection and I was exploring the underground, anytime I found a light route, I would mark on the above ground where it was because there's probably there's a shrine there that I, I was probably missing. So I was I was mapping things as I go, whether it was above or below. I was mapping either side because I knew they were connected. I thought that was like great. And- yeah, they don't make too big a secret of that either. It's pretty early on when you start exploring the depths that they're like, hey, these light routes seem to line up with the shrines on the surface. So that yeah. that was kind of cool. And even even then, like, it didn't really click with me right away. My buddy had to, like, explain it to me. And then I was like, oh, okay, that's what they meant. And I don't know why I was so dense about that. Maybe I kind of skipped through that text too fast or something. But yeah, it was... It's really neat, and then, like you said, finding shrines can be some t- can sometimes feel like hell. But when you're underground, you find the light route corresponds to the shrine. Or if you're underground 
and you're looking for the light route and you found the shrine that's there, it's like, okay, this is where I need to go. And it's even so, it's so convenient. You can go down into the depths from right where the shrine is, plunk a stamp, you know, one of the bright color ones that acts as a beacon, go into first right. person mode and find where it's at. And sometimes you got to do a little scanning because sometimes it's up high and you don't think it will be, or you'll just see the top of it over a cliff or whatever. But it's usually easy to find where the light route you're looking for is if you do that. Yeah. And I had to, because I know there's a, a shrine detector thing you can unlock for your, your tablet. I never did it because I never did that section of the map. So I missed out on a bunch of those little quality of life things I never had because I used to use and abuse the shrine detector in Breath of the Wild all the damn time. I didn't have it for my playthrough in, in Tears of the Kingdom. I'm glad it's there, <laughs> but I, I should have gotten it because I, I only did only. I think I did 50-ish yeah, shrines and there's 120. I only did 50 because I, I was just mostly just mainlining it with the story with my wife. Okay, So, so there's tons of shrines I missed. There are, oh, oh, you don't even know, apparently. So, <laughs> Breath of the Wild, there's 120 shrines. I assumed there would be 120 shrines in this. There are not 120 shrines in Tears of the Kingdom. How many are there? There are 152. Are really, really? That many? Yes. Wow. Well, I guess because of the sky ones. Mm-hmm. That's quite, that's quite a bit, yeah. Because all the sky ones are kind of like puzzly to unlock. Uh, usually, you have to find a crystal and bring the crystal yeah. to like the spawn point. Yeah, that and That's I do like the fact that if it's hard to get into the shrine, then that is the puzzle. And so once you right. get into the shrine, it's like, hey, here's a treasure chest and here's the reward. You don't have to do anything yeah. once you're here. It's great. And those ones Raru's are all blessing. Just called, yeah, those are all just called Raru's blessing. It's like you got here. Yeah. Here's a goodie. But yeah. Yeah, if you if you can if it's just like there and you can just walk in, you've got a puzzle ahead of you. Some of them are super easy, some of them are stupid. Yeah. But I do like Granted, them though. I do like the shrines in this one quite a bit because usually they teach you on how to do something with your abilities, like they did that in Breath of the Wild too. But in this mm -hmm. one where everything is so vehicle dependent, a lot of the shrines teach you how to build better vehicles. And there's unlimited yeah. battery in a shrine, so you got, you basically get a lot like, get to play around with a lot of this kind of stuff. Nothing breaks usually in infinite battery. Like there's one where it was purely an off-road thing. You you build a jeep and you have to go from platform to platform to get through this shrine, and that's what taught me how to build proper vehicles. Oh, and are cars. you talking about the one that was like a a big sort of like it was all berms and turns and twists? Yes, yeah. That was our, I was really my I I messed up very quickly and sent it off a cliff and so just walked the rest of it. <laughs> you walked that. <laughs> I walked it, but that let me find some treasure chests and some goodies, so I was yeah. not upset. Yeah, in the beginning, I was kind of like, so every shrine has at least one treasure chest, I guess, with some kind of item. But I found the rewards in a lot of those were not really worth it. Like, oh, ten arrows, thanks, game, right? Like stuff like that. Well, uh, so I skipped a few of them, but I know they could be worth finding as a hidden thing. Honestly, 10 arrow chests are some of my favorite. Really? Yeah. A chest that gives me bomb flowers or arrows. Those are my favorite because they're so useful. Like I use arrows constantly. I use bomb flowers all the time. So those are really useful items. So when I'm running low on arrows... I go hit up some enemy camps, demolish them, break their chests and, or, you know, 
break their boxes and everything to get a bunch of arrows back. When I'm under 100 arrows, I'm like, oh, shit, I need to go farm arrows. And once I'm over 200, I'm like, okay, I'm good again for a while. And so when I find a chest that's just 10 arrows, you know, child me would have been like, oh. But me now, I'm like, I use those all the time. You just saved me, what, 40 rupees. I would just <laughs> I would just buy them from stores. Anytime I hit up a vendor or a store, because I, I always had money in the game. So I just buy the arrows I needed. I didn't rather, I didn't use them as much as I thought I would, this especially when I realized you can throw items. You don't need to shoot arrows with everything. So you can throw bombs. You can throw fire seeds. You just have to be careful you don't throw your melee weapon, but you can throw everything. And, and I was doing a lot of that, to be honest with you. Or when I yeah, realized, like, um, you know what it was? Every, like, the mini bosses in the game, like the the Hinox and the Gleox, a lot of them have tricks to beating them. So I wasn't relying on arrows as much. Like the, um, what's it called? The, um, the Flux Constructs. I, the first few I fought of those, I struggled using all my bombs and arrows. And then I realized if you use Ultra Hand, you can literally take the, it's like basically it's a flux bo- construct, constructor boxes, a, a box of, a, a boss of boxes all animating together. And you can Ultra Hand each of the pieces off his body. And if you take his feet off, he can't walk. You take his hand, he can't stomp attack you. You take his hands and he can't punch you. So you can de arm him and de foot him with your abilities for free. And then you do enough pieces, take them off, take enough pieces off of him and he falls apart and you hit his core. So after I realized that, they were easy. So that's how I was beating those. But by that look, I I'm assuming you them, did the hard way. <laughs> I do find them very easy, but I never figured out I could do that. Yeah. I, it's, I it's do just the, wild. I do the proper, you know, wait them out strategy where you knock them down. Like, I, I shoot them with an arrow with a bomb on it. So that way when they, because the, the flux construct threes are like, nope, it's not there anymore. It's here now. Nope, it's not there anymore. It's here now. So I'm like, you know what? Bomb, wherever you're putting it, it's getting hit. <laughs> then I jump up on him, smack the crap out of him until he breaks apart, jump down, smack the crap out of that. And then it's like, all right, now I'm a floating platform. And so you got to do the reverse time thing to get up onto him and stuff like that. Yes. Like, that's what I always do. I didn't realize you could take pieces of him away from him like that so yeah while he's together i knew you could take those parts from him but i thought it was when yes. they were all broken apart because i would use some of those pieces but wow well yeah because when you beat him you get the the core which you can't carry in your inventory but you can immediately fuse it to a weapon and you basically get a really awesome weapon for a while yeah um the taluses in this game are the same thing you kill a talus you get a talus core makes a really awesome weapon um even yeah. if, even the, for the taluses there's these battle taluses so it's the giant rock golem things they're huge and the battle ones have a wooden platform built on top of them with a bunch of the uh the goblins you can just walk up to between his legs and ascend through that all that shit be yep. on top of it and just whack at the core makes it, it couldn't be easier to beat those guys but it's, it's, it's one of those things where you're playing the game, but you have to constantly remind yourself you have Ascend, you have Recall, you have Alter Hand, you have to use all the abilities because they're basically in-game cheats to do things easily. And yeah. when you don't use them, you're kind of crippling yourself. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, there's a lot more at your disposal than just a weapon that can break and having to parry. There's so many yeah. tricks to be able to just take down whatever you're trying to take down that it's great. And sometimes it's a matter of exploring, right? Like 
again, let's let's talk. Let's let's mention Ascension for a minute. There are some places that you're like, I see this place from the surface, but I can't get there. How do I get there? Sometimes it's as dumb as you have to go underground and find a pillar and zoop all the way up like it's an elevator. Use ascend on that pillar, yep. and then now you're in a little room that's just got a treasure chest, and there's no way in except for how you just got here. Yeah, <laughs> there was there was one. It was a, basically a, a house on a, on a on a cliff side, and it's closed door. You can walk up to it. You can talk to somebody. Will not let you inside no matter what you do. But uh, accidentally, I found out by exploring around that area. I went down underground to the chasm, and as I was exploring, I found one of those pillars and I shot up it. And where does it take you? In inside that house, <laughs> and, and you can you can do, you can do what you want inside the house. Like the, the interconnection between the three layers is really well done. Yeah. This is such a great game. Like, and, and there is so much I didn't do. Like there's a whole like pirate section. I didn't touch Hatano village. I didn't touch and I've beaten the game, but I, I th- I, there's large swatches of land. I didn't touch. Like it, it makes me, I'm, I'm hoping there's DLC for this. I hope they add more to it. I know that breath of the wild had a couple DLCs. The champions ballad was actually pretty interesting. I'm hoping that Tears of Kingdom gets something like that that adds more places to explore because this game is so fun to just mess around in. There were uh there there was some text on the the official Tears of the Kingdom website that alluded to DLC a few weeks back. And then right. somebody screenshotted that and posted it to Twitter or something and was like, "Check this out. There's going to be DLC." <laughs> and Nintendo was very quick to go to the website and delete that chunk of text. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think if we all knew just... they're going to add something to the game. They, I mean, they have to, especially for a game that has sold like gangbusters for them. They've made so much money off this game already. I do appreciate that some of the content that was DLC locked in the first game is just part of the base game in this, like the hero's path stuff, the, you know, like there's, I think there were, there's a lot of armor in this game, right? Right. You can either plunk an amiibo onto your switch or your controller or whatever and hope it'll pop out of the treasure chest, or you can find it in the game for the most part. I I think yeah. the amiibos that are tied specifically to Tears of the Kingdom might require the amiibos, but anything that was prior to that that's Zelda themed or Breath of the Wild themed, you can find in the game. I'm pretty sure all of it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's nothing 100% locked behind Amiibos, which is different than Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild had quite a few different sets that you couldn't get otherwise. Uh, and I appreciate and, that. I mean, there's so much armor to find. You'll never find all of it without a guide. But because there's like no less than five green sets of tunics for Link in this game. And they all call back to earlier games, right? Like you can get Link's Awakening giant mascot head. There's the Twilight yeah, Princess there's, outfit. There's the Fierce Deity set. Like... There's so many different sets, but you can totally find them on your own. The set of the hero, the set of time, the set of the wind, you know, they've all these, and they're just in the game here and there. Like I happened upon the cap of the wind and it looks ever so similar to the cap of the hero that I already had because of my amiibo. Cause I have the eight bit link back here on my shelf somewhere. I don't Maybe he's upstairs. I don't know. But I've got the 8-bit Link Amiibo, and I tried so hard to get all three pieces of that outfit in Breath of the Wild. Never got the third piece. There was Just a day that I tried for like amiibo? an hour. 
the RNG okay. was just so bad with the amiibo in the first game that, and yeah. maybe that was just as early on as it was. Maybe they changed the drop rate later or something. I don't know. But I tried and tried and tried and tried. Like there was a day that for an hour I would load the file, try nothing, reload the file, try nothing. I finally got sick of it and gave up. This one, I probably tried the amiibo a total of 12 times across like two weeks, got all three pieces. Oh, okay. So it was very simple to get. And honestly, the first one gave me a piece. The third one gave me a piece. It was like, I probably only even tried nine times, honestly. So I did, yeah. I didn't and have if, to try very hard to get it. It was great. And like, if you didn't have the amiibo, you could just look up a guide to find it in somewhere. It's hidden somewhere in the game. Like all the pieces are yeah. there somewhere. Yeah. It, it, that's and, why it was good. There, there's a lot of armor sets. And like you... You'd be hard pressed to find anybody who's got the same set of armor they beat in the game with, like from player to player. Like you and I had completely different armor pieces we were using, like, and that's yeah. why I like this game so much, right? People's favorite weapons is probably different, different armors. It's 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 a great game. I don't even know where Nintendo goes after this. Um, oh, I lost. Oops, sorry. Oh, there sorry. you are. <laughs> I I don't know where Nintendo goes after this. I, I mean, this is pretty much the standard for this is the nope. generation of Zelda. Oh, you got you show them off. Yeah, that'll be the <laughs> thumbnail for sure. <laughs> Let me get rid of the. Oh no, that's terrifying. I was trying to do this. Like I, I love. <laughs> this is such a meme-worthy image to me. <laughs> well, it's great though because you get in Breath of the Wild, Ganon was immaterial, right? He was he was calamity again. Yeah. He was emotion. He was elemental. This game brings it back to to Orcrina time, right? He's actually a human-ish character, right? And different forms yeah. of him. And it's, it's it's nice. Again, it ties back to the story of this game being really good. What they do with Zelda and the Master Sword, and it's really well designed. Yeah. Like that sequence and is when you get the Master Sword is so fantastic and so much better than Breath of the Wild. Like they really outdid themselves with the, the story. And I got the Master Sword before I got all the story pieces that inform you of what led to the crew, the, you know, the master yeah. sword being re repaired because at yeah. the very beginning of the game, you start super strong, super powerful. And immediately the story is like, no master sword broken. <laughs> I, I will say though, in breath of the wild, when you get the master sword, it always felt a little bit of, a, of lackluster because it broke way too easily and it didn't do as much damage as i would expect it to in tears of the kingdom yeah it, it needs to recharge every so often but it does it doesn't even have a damage number listed because it one shots like everything <laughs> it's a super powerful weapon so i, I, wouldn't I definitely say appreciate it one shots that. everything that it's it doesn't feel as powerful as i'd like it to sometimes i generally try to attach something to it if i'm thinking about it just because you can wait you can fuse stuff to the master sword Yes. Oh, fuck off. Get out of here. Really? <laughs> you can make it a fucking hammer. What? I did it by you accident. That? I meant to fuse a rock to something and I accidentally had the master sword on. <laughs> really? And then started Shit. swinging. And I was like, wait, that's the master sword. Okay. You could fuse stuff uh, to the master sword. And until the master sword breaks, it's fused with that item. What's the durability the like on it? Is better out of its energy. Um, right. I I don't know. It's hard to say 
because okay. usually I attach an item and then just wail on something. And it's usually right. something that's kind of a damage sponge. So I work through a good chunk of what the Master Sword's energy is anyway, or in some cases, all of it because of a boss fight. And then... <laughs> so what I, what I was doing for most of the bosses was <laughs> I was using the Master Sword, just, just the plain regular Master Sword, and that would get me through maybe three quarters or maybe two thirds of the boss's life. And then I would swap to usually a weapon that's using a um, the uh, Flux Construct core or the Battle Talus's core, and that would finish them off. I, I Once I was doing that combination, I was pretty good with not worrying about weapons breaking because I, I never really had them break that often. Uh, mm. Realizing I could attach, I could be attaching those Gloom weapons to the Master Sword would be wild because that would be huge yeah. damage. I did not, I now don't know why, I, know you know, the... I don't even know why I didn't even think about trying that. That's wild. Now that I know that those drain you, I might take that gloom, gloom club and just stick it to the end of my Master Sword next time. <laughs> it looks so stupid, but it's great. I I don't know what the damage number is, but I feel like it's somewhere to 40 to 60, somewhere in there, because it's yeah, high. it's up there. But it's not yeah. absurdly high. But yeah, if I stick that gloom club to it, it's probably damn near 100. So, And here's a question. So... Did you ever find the Hylian shield? Um, no. I I found the the darker colored ones. They're not Hylian shields, but they look like it. I found a couple of the those. The Royal Guard shields. I think so. Those are the ones I found. Yeah. There, there's. So I I do think we can spoil this if you go to Hyrule Castle and explore it. That's assuming you can get up to the castle because it's floating um, and explore it. It's not that scary, honestly. There is a lot around Hyrule Castle and in Hyrule Castle that can set you up for early success in the game. And okay. to a degree, some of those weapons, like the bows, the dusk bow, is oh, really, really good. good. Like, it's 50 damage. It It takes a while to wear down. A lot of the weapons and shields there, like the uh, the Hyrule Royal Shield, it's 70 defense, which is great. But it's yeah. also, it doesn't take all that many hits. Right. The yeah, Hylian Shield is hidden in the, the castle. See, I didn't, I, did, I thought I explored that area or, pretty good, but it's huge. There's a lot there. So is there just the one, though? And I guess it breaks, right? You can't repair it. Well, you can't get another there's one? There's just the one, and you can replace it when it breaks. Okay. You, there's somebody in Hateno Village, after you do the quests, who will replace it for you for a large fee. Okay. So that's like um, in Breath of the Wild, the, um, each of the different villages, like the, like the Rito and, and Gerudo and all, they had, they had like a signature weapon, uh, and you could repair those or get replacement ones. For a large amount yeah. of money. So I guess that makes sense in Tears of the Kingdom. I'll have to look for that. Because I, I was using the Royal Knight Shield. What I was doing, I was I was attaching a um uh, <laughs> a slab of ice or a slab of stone to them, and it gives them more durability so they last longer. So that's how I was getting them to last oh. longer. Um oh, speaking of attachment to the shields, <laughs> you probably did the Tony Hawk thing at least a few times, right? Oh yeah. I did that on the the, the tutorial island. So I didn't find it that early, but uh, the best <laughs> best way to Tony Hawk, 
frozen piece of meat on your shield, it lasts so much longer than the roller blades or, or the roller carts and all that kind of stuff. Just frozen meat is just, for whatever reason, really high durability and it slides you so well. So I did a lot <laughs> of that. But my wife kept asking, why are you throwing meat in the snow? Because I, I, I need it for the shield so I can surf. Because shield surfing is <laughs> a ride in this game. Like you grind the rails and it feels so good. But yeah, frozen meat yeah. is the way I did a lot of that. And it's funny, I had completely forgotten about grinding by this point. I did it very early on and I did it a few times and then I realized you didn't need to have a minecart on it to do that. Like you don't have to have a thing with wheels to grind it. So I was like, well, pff, okay. So I did it a few more times and I would burn through the shields pretty quick doing it. And I was like, yeah. it's just easier to glide where I'm going or ascend where I'm going or whatever. It's it's cool that it's there. It's not super necessary. Yeah. But that's interesting with the frozen meat that it just bumps the durability by so much. Like I didn't get the paraglider until later in the game. It was one that I was I should have gotten it earlier than I did because I, again I was avoiding the main story I think for the first little bit and I shouldn't have. So when I didn't have the paraglider, I had to find creative ways to get around. So that's why I was using a lot of the shield surfing because that's a great way to travel before you start building mm. things. Um, like you know, the other speaking of travel, there are horses in this game. In fact, if you have a safe in Breath of the Wild, it will import your horses from that game into Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, I used the horse maybe three times, and that was it, because you can make a better horse <laughs> with, with whatever you find, right? Yeah. And just and you don't you don't just automatically get access to your horses. I will say that because I was confused about that for a long time. I would go and they'd be like, I, I was like, I don't have any horses. So it was like register a horse or something. And I was like, you have to actually try and access one of those things to get access to your horses. Then they'll be like, oh, it looks like we already have horses. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I thought they'd just be like, hey, you have horses. Here you go. No, you have to access the menu system for it for them to be like, hey, yeah, we got some. Yeah, he already has. Some. So that was frustrating. I think there's there was something else, too. Oh, yes. The building of the device, building of the devices. Right. Um, now, you'd think like you have to have all the items on hand. But the zonite you can use to sort of fill the gaps of what you don't. I think it, the cost of three zonite per. I want to say piece. certain pieces are more expensive than others, but I could be wrong. But that's with the are auto they? build ability. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I could be wrong, though. And that's another thing that I just found out of order was the auto build. I didn't get the quest for it. I just happened upon where it was. And then <laughs> uh, finally, see, I, I went the store and talked to someone and, and they're yeah. like, hey. They're like, hey, go do this. Wait, you already did? And I'm like, okay. There's so many After quests the... in this game where they're like, hey, go do this. Wait, you already did it? And so like, as, <laughs> immediately after the conversation, it's like, quest start, quest end. <laughs> Easy street. I I deliberately went my way to find that quest. I think after the 12th time of building the same glider with two fans, I got tired of it. And auto build makes that part easy, right? Especially for the stuff... Yeah that you're using all the damn time. Uh, the one thing I saw on Reddit was um, the uh, the air bike, two fans and a control stick. That's all it is. Very useful to get around, and that's basically your horse. Um, but building it Pretty and lining up the too. angles manually is a bit of pain in the ass. Yeah, it's wonky. So with auto build, it just it just creates it for you. And it's worth the nine Zonite. Like, it's super cheap. You get so much Zonite by halfway through the game, that's not a problem anymore. It's it's worth mentioning that somebody has actually figured out how to make that hover bike 
more stable. How'd they do that? Um, they apparently found a piece of an elevator from a late part of the game. And you can break that piece of the elevator off of what it's stuck to. And then you can attach it to stuff. And now you've got like a really steady hover bike that works really well. Oh, because once you've built it once, you can use it with auto build to pull it every time you want to use it. Right. Okay. That's just wild, man. This game is great. (laughs) I don't know, man. The, the, yeah, it's nuts. That's one of those things too, is like the breath of the wild felt like a very big world already. Tears of the Kingdom takes that world and then they're like, all right, now there's a weird dark version, dark world version of that under it that basically mirrors the entirety of Hyrule, right? And then you've got weird shit just floating in the sky here and there. So there's so much to explore. And even then, it's easy to miss treasure chests that have really good rewards, like the Sage's Will, right? I'm sure a lot of those sky islands that i went to i would see a treasure chest hanging somewhere and i wouldn't think anything of it well i left all those hanging there now i gotta go back to the sky and find them to get the sage's will so that i can get those rewards and (laughs) and I, i do say a lot of those it's hard to kind of track where you've been and what you you killed already or what you found already like a lot of the Skylands have the flux constructs and they respawn, but the item that you get from killing them is not, does not respawn. So I feel like yeah, it can be hard to, to mark, track those secrets. And that's why there's so many items and armor in the game. And it's so difficult to get a hundred percent in this game. Like to find all of them would take you multiple playthroughs because it's just so easy to keep, just hard well, to keep track of. That's what the hero's journey mapping is for too. And here i'll bring that up real quick that's the the path right that follows you on the map yeah so let's let's bring that up real quick give this a second there we go so you can see sorry my controller disconnected one second okay so as you can see it tells you where you've been right and it even shows you like per that part of the map like it's it's pretty handy. So if you're like, well, have I been there? Have I been there? I don't know, you know. But so it's, for it's our audio listeners, uh, Wolf is showing uh, the Switch map in Tears of the Kingdom, and it's like a glowy path, regardless of whether you're underground, and above ground, in the sky of where you've been. Not only that, but if you tinker with it, it'll take forever, depending on how long you've been playing the game and you got to that point. But you can actually make it rewind or play through what you've done. You can go all the way back to minute zero and track all your movements and oh, really? link okay. all the That's things all over Hyrule. And then if you fast travel somewhere, you'll see it go foop, foop, and then continue on. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. It's it's pretty it, wild, but oh my goodness, is it time consuming? And I did that right. probably at about 40 hours that I first experimented with that. <laughs> And it took me just like five, ten minutes to rewind all the way back to zero. Yeah. The problem I had is my wife and I were playing the game. We did the story stuff together, but the random exploring, we kind of just did on our own when we were free. And uh, it's frustrating because there are some shrines that I, I did and she didn't do, so she missed out on. And there's some chests that she found and I didn't find. Or I thought 
I didn't get yet, but when I beat the boss or I did the puzzle and I got there, it was already taken. And that's why we tried to have a system of marking chests that were still that we still need to get, but we never did it consistently. <laughs> I wish wow. there was a better way of tracking that kind of secrets and stuff. Because there's so it's like Skyrim, right? Like Skyrim was like that, which is a massive map, all kinds of hidden stuff. But Tears of the Kingdom, the hidden stuff, a lot of the hidden stuff is stuff you really would like to get from a collector yeah. side of you. Whereas Skyrim is kind of like there's not as many items to get. So that's okay. So that's that's a good point. Is in the sky like the treasure chests, a lot of the treasure chests can feel underwhelming. You open it up and it's an opal or an amber, yeah. or you know, you open it up and it's like a sundalion, or it's a you know. Sometimes it's just something dumb that you're like, I could have gone or to the arrows. Sky and three of these. No, the arrows are handy. Like in the Goron dungeon, <laughs> when it gave me like five or six chests full of ten arrows each, I was like, yes, please, thank you. But <laughs> so opals are great because so opals actually are really high damage fusible items, which are really great early on. The gems, rubies, and uh, sapphires. A lot of the game I got through, the extreme environments I got through, because if you put it on your shield, it gives you that permanent uh, resistance to the weather. Once I realized that, I'm like, I'm never wearing fuzzy pants ever again. All I need to do is have the shield on my back, and it works. I, so that was I did that awesome. with a weapon, actually. I, I have a weapon <laughs> that I just keep a, uh, a ruby on for when I'm in cold places. Because usually if I'm yeah. in a cold place, it's because I'm diving through it, and I want to wear the glide armor. Did you get the right. glide armor? I got parts of it. I only did. I think I got two of the three pieces. I think you you go so fast across the sky if you've got all three. Really, and then then if you upgrade it all and get the bonus, it makes you splat proof. (laughs) So you can you can Superman jump from the top of of the sky island and just land without without even gliding. (laughs) That's pretty. That's pretty. You can just yeah get up. You're fine. That's that's pretty. That's like out of the matrix. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. See, there's a lot of those I have to find. I, the, the thing I thought was neat is even something like um, the uh, the wizard robes in the game. They drop basically magic wands, and you fuse the magic wand with a gem, and it becomes a projectile weapon. I thought that was neat, right? You can get your own yeah. homemade fire uh, magic wand and stuff, or a lightning wand. Um, oh, some enemies instantly die if you have the right item. So like the yeah. ice well, lizards that, and whatnot, just one flame item and they die instantly. Like stuff like that. Well, is in the I game think too. that was kind of the case in Breath of the Wild because Breath of the Wild had multiple types of arrows. So if you had a fire arrow and you shoot an ice, what lizalfos or whatever the liz- right. lizards are called, um, you shoot one of those with a fire arrow and it's an ice one, it just immediately disintegrates. Or vice versa. If it's a fire one, you shoot it with ice. Disintegrates. And that's still the case in this one. Yeah, that's still the case in this one. But now it's like you shoot it with a fire fruit attached to your arrow. You shoot it with an ice fruit attached to your arrow or whatever. Like, it's super easy. It's very convenient. We were um, laughing early before this episode recorded. So Nintendo... Basically, at, at the time of this recording, if you went to the Switch's news section, that there's a channel for Tears of Kingdom, and if you click on a link, it basically unlocks items in Tears of Kingdom. Don't get too excited. You get two, two whole dazzle fruit. That's all you get. Which What a cool system for getting items outside of the game to link to the game, but they give you dazzle fruit. But I didn't realize until just, just a few minutes before we started hitting recording 
that dazzle fruit can instantly kill the skeleton enemies. I didn't. I did not know that. So I have to try that out. Huh. Interesting. So some of that stuff is that really either. interesting. So um, the other item was uh, muddle buds. Super overpowered on Lynels because Lynels are are just a pain in the ass when it comes to like because they the usually what happens is up close they just murder you, but as you're trying to run away from them, they can snipe you with two three arrows and just one shot you. But if you muddle bud them, which confuses them, they're still deadly up close, but they won't fire the arrows at you, so you can run away. So I use muddle buds for a few of those oh, as well. Interesting. So the game is like full of that. Like there's there's dozens and dozens of items in the game, plants and all that kind of stuff, and they all have some kind of effect, whether it's fusibility changing things or just throwing it and it does something to the enemies, like smoke bombs and, and the Octolock Octorock balloons you can attach to enemies and stuff. Like it just just wild of a physics playground that this game is. And it's just it just this is I know that people are saying like um okay six years for this game to come out. I, this if this game came out a year ago, it would have been half a game. It would not have felt as great as it is today. They really took the last year and you can just tell they polished the hell out of this game. It's like they yeah. went and looked at every system mechanic in the game and just gave that once over of wouldn't it be cool if it does this now? Or what if we add this just cause just small little touches that, that have added up. Like there's just so much polish in this game and it feels just so fun to experiment with everything in the game. Yeah, and the different regions don't feel just like different biomes. They actually feel different. Like you have, you know, the the weather, like the just the the effects and how this your view is affected when you're in that area. It feels yes. different. Like you come across different hazards. You have to have different equipment. And I know a lot of that is true for Breath of the Wild, but like the different villages, you know, in Tears of the Kingdom. You go to Hateno Village. Well, they've got all this turmoil between the fashion designer and the mayor, and so you have to sort that out. And you end up coming up with a new item in the game. Like, you actually... You help the farmer in part of what you're questing for develop right. cheese. And so now cheese is an ingredient you can use for cooking. And then really? after everything, okay. you can grow a type of pumpkin that does similar to what the Sundelions do. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. See. So like, there's so many things. And then you go to Laurel and village, which was present in the first game in this one, you have to rebuild it. It's been taken over by monsters and it's demolished. Yeah. So you go through the quest of killing the monsters and then you have to go through the quest of gathering materials to rebuild the village. And then you actually rebuild every structure. <laughs> And it's not like rebuild, That's, rebuild. You're not sitting there like clunk, clunk, yeah. clunk, clunk. Here's a house. But the guy's like, I need a strong central pillar. So you're like, all right, that plunk. <laughs> here's a log. And he's yeah. like, all right, now I can build it. <laughs> Yeah, that's what. So that's those. Those are the two sections I did not touch, and I, I really want to. This is one of those games where I. I'm going to want to do a second playthrough. So I kind of wanted to leave something that I have not played or seen before in that second playthrough. And it sounds like I have a, a several big chunks to do. I'd also love to do a challenge run of this with the minimum hearts to see if I could do it. I like doing three heart challenges in Zelda games. I don't know if oh, you can do that you. in this or not, but I would love you to try that. can because it's, there was a, I guess you could call it an exploit. It's not really an exploit. It's sort of like a, 
a, a degree of grace from the game where if you're at full health, you cannot be killed in one hit. It'll take you all the way down to a quarter heart and leave you there. Okay. So as long oh, as you can heal okay. up two, three hearts again, you you now have another hit. So it's it's a degree of... And that was a problem I was running into a lot early on was, you know, since I was exploring the sky so often, I had fairies. But, you know, if I would take a hit and boom, be down to just quarter heart. And then yeah. if I took another hit, there went a fairy. And I was like, oh, okay, well... <laughs> I guess I should heal those hearts back up because there was a long time where I only had four or five hearts and I'd take a hit and down to a quarter heart. So yeah, there's, there's definitely something, some, some mobs that just brutally murder your health bar. Like it seems like no matter how many hearts you have, they just, they just hit you for a lot. But that said, I didn't die that often. Like, like I said before, I didn't die during any of the boss fights except for the last boss. So it's not as difficult of a game compared to Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I died a lot in Breath I of the Wild. I wouldn't say I've died to any bosses. I've mostly died, honestly, to Lynels. And yeah. um, I think the odd Bacoblin, and I think at one point I accidentally did dive off an island and forgot to open the paraglider and splatted, <laughs> and I didn't have any fairies, and that was a game over. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's a few sections where you, uh, you want to drop from the Sky Island and you have to dive into the chasm really cool moment it's really fantastic feeling unless you're not paying quite attention and you hit the edge of the chasm as you're falling and you die <laughs> so oh, I had that no, happen more than, more than that. a few times i'm yeah. always scared so that i'm gonna you know. go down the cavern and because sometimes you come out of that that tube and you've got a ways to fall sometimes you don't yeah. have very long to fall so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the first thing as soon as i exit that tube i'm like okay Bright blue seed, <laughs> and then I like because well, it's neat because then you can wide. see the light right when you come down. Yeah, yeah. I I want to see how far down it is, and there's the odd time where I throw the blight bloom seed and I never see anything like it's that far yeah. away. So it's like, I guess it's traveled so far that it's despawned. Well, it's it's the feeling of like throwing a pebble down a well to see or a cliff to see how deep it goes in like fantasy and that's what that's what it feels like some of these chasms are yeah. just really deep it's it's uh, we could we could talk for five hours in this game i really do love this yeah. game and there's just so much even in this episode there's so many times we've said you can do that <laughs> like fusing the fucking master yeah. sword or something i did not realize you could do that and I, but there's so much stuff that's different for every place playthrough and traversing this game doesn't feel like as much of a chore as breath of the wild did yeah like things Things like, you know, slipping on rocks in the rain was really frustrating in Breath of the Wild. Oh, in this game, you goodness. can make potions. That was the biggest, right? like, that was the main antagonist of Breath of the Wild was the rain. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Climbing. And in this one, it, I almost never am dealing with wet rocks sliding down because, yeah. one, like, if you're in the sky, you're probably not dealing with weather for the most part. Um, unless it's, like, warm or cold, even then, limited. Yep. If you're underground, you're usually not dealing with the rain. <laughs> so yep. it's the, you're not experiencing rain nearly as often, but you also have so many more tools at your disposal to traverse the land that it's not just walk up to the wall and Spider-Man the crap out of it. It's You could find other ways up. You could be creative. Yeah. Well, like you find any divot in the wall or cave or boulder and you can ascend through yeah. it to the top. Ascend and, and that's what they tell you, too. right? Yeah. And you just have to, again... 
you have ascend, you have you have recall, and you have stasis. Like, like recall, the biggest tip, the biggest mind blown thing early on for me was when somebody told me, "Oh, you're having trouble getting a glider to take off. Just take a glider, use ultra hand, raise it in the sky for a few seconds, put it down, and then step on it and recall it, and the recall will take it up in the air for you, so you can fly." Like I that never was to like. Do that. That's like 3D chess of game design, honestly, dude. Like yeah, that's when right? I'm like, oh, that's how you do it. I'm like, shit. I <laughs> there's so many shrines funny. where I beat it with that ta- that trick. Neat. That's pretty cool. The uh, the thing I use recall for is uh, the rock likes, the like likes that spit rocks. Right. Yeah, I'm like, you spat a rock at me, okay? Right back in your face, and then it breaks. Its oh, shirt. and then it spits another one at me, and I'm like, "All right, right back in your face." And then it's stunned, and I run up and whack the crap out of it. That's funny. I didn't think of that. There's I've used so that many trick for ways bosses. To do things. Yeah, that's funny. I'm sure we've barely scratched the surface on this episode yeah. of what kind of wild stuff you can do in this game. And my yeah. my stupid news feed on my phone is just like every time I open it, I'm sure. Let's see. Uh, how many articles do I? Seven. Seven articles down. There's a Zelda article for me. That's how much yeah. they get pushed at me. And they're constantly new information that's like, somebody discovered this. Like there's an NPC in the game that can fix your mishaps with cooking. Right? You didn't even see that one. For you a small you had mentioned theme, a um she'll fix it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think you had mentioned there was a um a vendor you can get that will take the bubble gems and has items you can trade in for them. I've yet to find yeah. that vendor. I've I've tried lookout uh sit town several times, never see them there. My wife swears up and down that she saw the um the Korok uh seed vendor there at some point. I've never seen him there, I've seen him somewhere else. Like there's just stuff I just have not encountered that I know that people have. And it's just, it's just wild to me. Yeah. I ran across the Korok seed vendor in the wild at one point, And then, yep. uh, I just had so many Korok seeds that I was like, just do it all. Just do it all. And finally yep. it was like, well, I gotta go bye. And then he ended up being <laughs> in that starter town that you end up in after, after you come down to Hyrule. And I yep. was like, okay, that's where I've dealt with him. Um, I think, he ended up going to Korok Forest after that. I don't recall. Yeah. But yeah, that, that NPC with the double with the bubble gems, he gives you... I've gotten two pieces of padded armor where I'll lose rupees instead of hearts. It's, <laughs> it's pretty wild, neat. the kind of stuff they have in this yeah. game. And there's actually... I don't know if you've noticed this. All the caves, right? If the cave entrance has a little pole sticking off of it with a bunch of tattered rags... Okay. That cave has a piece of armor. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, shit. Okay. So I knew I knew that um, if there's a bunny, yes, you can shoot the bunny for coins. But if you follow the bunny, he always will lead you to a cave. So I found yeah. a lot of if caves sh- with that trick. If you shoot it more than twice, it won't lead you to a cave. It'll just disappear. But if you shoot it twice, okay. uh, once or twice, it'll run to a cave and lead you there. Um, yeah. The other way to find caves is there's cherry blossom trees. You go offer a fruit at the cherry blossom yep. tree and a stag will be like, here are all the caves in the region. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it doesn't last very long. It lasts for like a few minutes to find a couple. But yeah, I, remember, yeah, I did that once. Yeah, night. So if there's one specific yeah. you're looking for, he'll show you the way. Like, that's all you need. Yeah. 
But again, just like that's something that Nintendo's like, you know what? Let's just let's just we'll design that. Let's just add that to the game. Just a small little tiny feature, but it's really cool. And like any other company, if there's anybody else making a Zelda game like this, they just it would not compare. Like I, I keep thinking of games like Cyberpunk, and I like Cyberpunk. But they just never had the chance to polish the game like Nintendo has with with Tears of the Kingdom. Just yeah. so much, so much small details. It's just mind boggling. It's it's a really good game. Uh, as open world games go, I feel like it kind of raises the bar in a lot of ways. Um, that said, I mean, Chard's not here to yell at me about Elden Ring, so and I've not played it. <laughs> So I can't compare it to Elden Ring, but to me, the open world games I've played, and I've also not played Red Dead, but uh, this feels like one of the most carefully designed open world games I've ever played. Like early on, I was looking at some of the scenery and I was like, that's basically Hyrule with just rocks everywhere. This is, this is a letdown. And then as I explored, I was like, oh, it's not. They changed a lot. They just let it sink in after a while. <laughs> yeah. When you realize where they hid stuff or where they put details on things, it's it's a lot more. It's it's definitely been beneath the surface. It's really cool. Um, yeah. So having played Elden Ring, as I as a joke with Chard, I'm infinitely qualified to discuss, discuss Elden Ring. Elden Ring's fantastic too, especially for an open world game, especially for that kind of genre of Souls-like games. Being open is really cool. But it's cool mostly for the design and for the combat encounters. Tears of the Kingdom, I like the combat, but that's not the focus. The focus for me is the exploration and the the abilities you have that let you break the world to your advantage. You don't have anything like that in any other open world game. Nowhere yeah. in Elden Ring did I feel like I was cheating <laughs> using an ability or a spell. <laughs> Unless you're like cheesing a boss, right? Tears of the Kingdom, when you can literally, like I said earlier, there's a dungeon. I'm using Ascend to find my way up and in, into these cracks and of where, where I need to go, Zar. I've actually done that before, like in, uh, I believe I did it both in the Goron dungeon and the Gerudo dungeon. I ended up using, I, I was like, I wonder if I can ascend here. And it was like, yeah, you can. And I was like, okay, what's there? And I went up and I was like, I don't know what's happening in this room. I don't know how much I just skipped. So I'm going to go back and actually do the dungeon. <laughs> and so I went back and it turned out it was like the final room with the, the, yeah. the puzzle to solve to get you to the boss. And I was like, man, I would have missed so much. <laughs> Like the level designers of this game must have been pulling their hair out when they realized that gameplay testers could just skip everything into design. <laughs> but that's the but, neat, I that's mean, the challenge of it though, right? It's just like they built yeah. an environment and it's up to the player to tackle it in any way they want. And it takes a special type of mind, like the 3D chess to design a, a, an environment like that, where there's just so many ways to tackle something. And I appreciate the fact that they do let players do it however they want, right? Like you're not yeah. just stuck doing it one way. You have options. And there are certain places that they make it really hard to skip what they want you to do. Like the to get to the boss of the Gerudo dungeon. Like I still had to solve the puzzle. I didn't find an easy way to pass that up. Like they really, they carefully crafted anywhere that you could go on the bottom tier would lead up to somewhere else. And then you couldn't skip that as far as I could tell right. to get up to the boss room. So it like was certain it was really interesting, but yeah. yeah. And they don't always, like that was another cool thing is the boss 
isn't always saved for the final bit of the dungeon. Like it is, but it isn't necessarily. Sometimes you'll encounter it before that. Sometimes you'll encounter something else that you think is the boss and then it's not right. Like they, they really, they did a good job of subverting expectations in the dungeons. And I appreciate that. And they're so well thought out and designed for the most part. I like you got frustrated in the Goron dungeon, but yeah, (laughs) <laughs> at, at a point but, I was just I, like ascend and glide I'm just I'm not going to bother with the minecarts anymore yeah but I like again I, I still like how when you compare these dungeons to Breath of the Wild they're so much better like when I look at a sequel like the uh, something that can carry the legacy of Zelda for the for the generation of the Switch and compared to the N64 N64 had Orcarina of Time I feel like Tears of the Kingdom is in that that level of 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 legend of epic status right like 10 years from now 20 years from now people will be talking about orcarina of time and they'll be talking about tears of kingdom it's it's that level yeah. of zelda game to me of just the design and the world they built and, and how it's just so it just how you can tackle it in any way you like is so good and it, you know what it reminds, it reminds me of like of breath of the wild nintendo must have seen speedrunners and how speedrunners were using stasis to like skip half the map they must have saw that and said you know what we're gonna have different abilities but we're gonna do it so they can be just as broken if they want to do that and we're gonna design our world this time to to yeah work with broken abilities and i'm sure part of it was they'd see these weird vehicles that people would make to just fly across the sky in breath of the wild and we're like why don't we just do that why don't we just make that a thing (laughs) and that's what they did right yeah. Like I, I'm sure that like, was a big design element for them was like we want it, players want to do that, let's give it to them. Yeah. That, let that them do was it. probably yeah. a huge chunk of the development of this is look at how players play the game. Let's let's find popular videos of people breaking it in different ways and what can we make into a mechanic that everybody will enjoy instead of making yeah. it, you know, a, <laughs> a slam your head into the wall until you get it right kind of thing. Well, so, yeah, well, for I, almost a two hours. Yeah, we've been gushing <laughs> about this for a while, so I think it's it's time to let people go cry in their own Hyrule. <laughs> There's just so much there. Oh, I get the joke. I get the joke. Tears, <laughs> cry. Yes. Very funny. <laughs> cry rule. <laughs> cry rule. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really is a fantastic right. game. I don't even I don't even know where to begin with Nintendo and how they do the follow up to this. I'm sure the Switch Two might have something, or maybe it'll be another ten years. But this is such a such a step up on open world games. It really is. Yeah, and it's it's funny. One last note before we end this. Uh, I had been theorizing that the Switch Two would not be announced until a few months after. Tears of the Kingdom, because if they announce a console and then Tears of the Kingdom for the console before it, people are going to be like, well, I'm just going to wait for the next one. Well, Well, there's rumors now that with this Microsoft Activision merger, apparently documents have come out that it's expected for Nintendo to release a new console sometime in 2024. Yeah, and you know what? Timing works out, though, to be fair, because it's been... When did the switch switch to 2017? So five years. I mean, five we're, years we're is a fair amount of time to have an upgraded st- version of it. Mm-hmm. We're six years deep in this, and it sounds like uh, the next ver- iteration of the Switch is expected to be on par with like PS4 Pro. Right. 
which will be a massive jump in improvement. And to be fair, like the Steam Deck, I, you know, the tech in that is at this point like two years old, and that's somewhere between yeah. the PS4 and the PS4 Pro. And it runs games really well because it doesn't need to be running at 4K, you know, at 900, 1080, 720, whatever numbers you're playing with. It doesn't have to be as powerful, and so it can run games very pretty in that resolution. Also, so, Nintendo has always been really great with eking out the ability of their hardware. And uh, yeah. like, I was worried about Tears of Kingdom performance issues because Breath of the Wild had a few areas that were really bad for frame drops. And while there's like one, maybe two sections in Tears of Kingdom that maybe dipped in frame rate, we're talking after over 150 hours, it's not an issue. Like it's been, it's been five, five years and they've just, it just feels great. Right. I honestly can't even remember a point where I got bad frame rates in tears of the kingdom, like where the frame rate dipped rather. Cause you know, some people will be like, well, the game only runs at 30 frames per second. That's bad all the way around. Shut up. <laughs> well, it's a switch. Like honestly, yeah, it's a switch. Yeah. What are you expecting? Like you're not like yeah. nobody's picking up an iPhone and being like, I need 4k gaming from this. No, you're yeah. expecting phone quality games from your phone. You're expecting Switch quality games from your Switch. I have not yeah. noticed any frame drops in this game playing through it after over 100 hours. And I noticed a lot of frame drops in Breath of the Wild when playing through that one. So yeah, it's they've really figured it out. And honestly, I feel like there's a lot more particle effects in this game than there were in Breath of the Wild too. The graphics cloudy are weather better. and fog yeah. and everything like there's so much going on and there's not the frame drops that there were. So they, they yeah. did a good job with this. I know people are mad at Nintendo for one reason or another, and that's fair, but tears of the kingdom as a game fucking phenomenal. <laughs> that's yeah. where I'm going to leave it. Like say what you want about Nintendo's lawyers and all the other shit going on with that company. But yeah, the game itself it's this is the best game I've paid for. I bought in a while, best game in years. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it falls within my top five all time games. Like it's that good for me to say, Breath of the Wild. Don't worry about it. It's a footnote. Go play Tears of Kingdom. Is saying something. This game is really something else. And for me, Breath of the Wild was had become my favorite Zelda game. Like yeah. for me, I used to dis, I used to distinguish between best 2D and best 3D Zelda, and then Breath of the Wild was like nah. It's just a best Zelda now. This so far outperforms Tears or Breath of the Wild. Tears of the Kingdom is it is the definitive Zelda game at this point, in my opinion. Yeah. And I still have to go back and play Twilight and Skyward because I've never played them. I'm gonna I, I'm sure I'm gonna feel a little sad playing through those now, but <laughs> Well, the bar is so high, right? But yeah, but they're also different games. But yeah, like story, but I mean, if I go, the graphics when I played yeah. When I finally play Skyward, I'm not going to expect Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom. I'm going to expect a Wii game. So I'll know what I'm getting, right? <laughs> so that's a lot of people can't disconnect that either. And I'm not saying our listeners. Right. I just mean in general. There's a lot of gamers out there who are like, oh, it's an old game. I don't want to play it. Yeah. But we have to yeah, measure it against the, the, it's the products of their time, right? For sure. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think we've gushed about this game enough. I think we can. Uh, close off this episode is there anything special you'd like to mention that you're doing um 
that I'm finally done Tears of the Kingdom. Well, <laughs> done for now. Uh, I definitely, I'm probably going to start another playthrough next year. I'm kind of hoping for the DLC to come out because uh, you know what's coming. Uh, and I want to play oh, through yeah, it again. Sure. And uh, it's, it's just a really fantastic game. But otherwise, this is a pre-recorded episode, so we're not going to do the Presby Top 100 for this one. Yeah. Um, plus, it's been two hours. <laughs> so We need to wrap this one up. Good. This is a, we have a problem. When it's you and me, we just gush about the game for too long. It's because we only play good games. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> not like the other guys in charge playing these bad as the games that nobody likes. Elden Ring. <laughs> <laughs> Red Dead Redemption, Final Fantasy. No, screw those games. Zelda's freaking fantastic. But yeah, this is awesome. Um, when I'm done with Tears of the Kingdom, I actually just picked up Final Fantasy 12 for the Switch so I can finally play through it because I never bothered playing through my PS2 copy. <laughs> I heard so that's I'm a good like, one. I'm going to play it finally. So I've been wanting to play it for years. I played it for like eight hours and I loved it, but I think I got hooked on something world of warcraft again back in the day so i'm gonna be playing through 12 again here real quick um oh and i'm playing through resident evil 6 my buddy and i finished five so now we're playing yeah we're doing co-op six and it's a game i'm not gonna say it's a bad game all i ever hear is it's a bad game i don't think it's a bad game if you like five the gameplay of six is five but better gameplay it's you know breath of the wild the tears of the kingdom it's the same in that regard the story is a little eh, but if you're playing it with a friend and you don't mind a bad story with a good game you'll have fun playing with it and making fun of it so (laughs) that makes sense yeah yeah i heard the plot of that game was uh not the greatest but i I didn't even realize it was multiplayer but playing something like that multiplayer would be a blast yeah so uh, i'm not gonna say i recommend it but i'm having fun with it uh, otherwise, sure. uh, come check us out at pressbeatacancel.com. You'll you can find us on pretty much any major podcasting platform that I'm aware of. If there's one we're not on, please let us know and we'll figure it out. And then yep. come check out our Discord. Join our Discord. Tell us what you want to hear about. Tell us why we're wrong. Tell us what we forgot about in Tears of the Kingdom. Whatever. <laughs> if we didn't cover it in the two last two hours, you got to let us know because this this yeah. game is wild. And like, if there's something that you were like, you, I expected you to talk about this and you didn't let us know because there's probably something you're thinking about that we don't even know exists. So. All right. Anyway, thank you all for listening for two hours. Dear God, have a good week, everybody. And we'll catch you next week. Good night, everybody. I got a thing. Thank you.